Okay, listen, uh, we are going to talk about what the resurrection means for us. What does the resurrection mean for us? Uh, we read the account, Ali read it during the set of worship, that the women went to the tomb that Easter morning looking for Jesus. And the stone had been rolled away and the angel was there and the angel said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Now, the tomb was empty on that first Easter morning. And that's why we're here today. And I can testify to the fact that the tomb is empty. Here's a picture of me and my family at the tomb a couple years ago. It was empty. It was empty then, and it's been empty for 2,000 years. If the tomb wasn't empty, you wouldn't be here today. Some of you only ever come to church on Easter. That would be the most silly thing to do on a beautiful day like today if the tomb wasn't actually empty on that first Easter morning. The tomb was empty. I would never wear a coat unless Christ was risen. That's why 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this thing. Christ rose from the dead after his death on a cross. But what does that mean? What does it mean specifically for us? There's a few ways that we'll talk about that from Scripture. Here's the first thing that we know the resurrection means. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead means that we know exactly who Jesus is. That he is actually who he claimed to be, the only unique son of God, the only savior of the world. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says this, Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. How much more of a powerful endorsement could you ever get than being resurrected from the dead as Christ was? And his resurrection from the dead was proof positive of his identity. Again, that he's the only unique Son of the world in whom we put our faith and our trust for the forgiveness of sins the only Savior, and his resurrection from the dead is proof of the Father's approval of Christ's payment on the cross for our sins. And his resurrection from the dead means that all of Christ's claims are true. There's a lot of claims in this world about truth and about eternity and about spirituality and about what one might do with their sins and how one might approach God. But Christ's resurrection from the dead, which is unprecedented in all of human history, pulled, predicted and pulled off his own death and resurrection, means that his claims beyond anyone else in history have validity. And Jesus made radical claims. He claimed to be the only way to eternal life. He claimed absolute exclusivity for entrance into eternity. Jesus said this in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus said that he's the only one who could give us eternal life. He said no one would come to the Father except through him. But eternal life is not merely an issue of duration. Eternal life is also a present issue of quality, a way in which one might live. Look what it says in Romans 6 about Christ's resurrection from the dead in our lives. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. That's 
symbolic language of our identifying with Christ through faith. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Now we also may live new life. So it's not only that the resurrection tells us exactly who Jesus is, but the resurrection presents us with the opportunity, the invitation to new life. We now can have a new relationship with God. The resurrection of Christ means that we can have a new relationship with God. Romans chapter 6 says this, When Jesus died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, the resurrection, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. That is the promise, the invitation of a new relationship with God. That through Christ's resurrection, as we put our faith in what he did on the cross for us, we are now made alive to God. Did you know that the Bible said previously, because of guilt of our sins, we were relationally dead to God? No way to approach God, no way to appease God, no way to spend the present or eternity in the presence of God because of the debt that we had incurred due to our sin against him. But Jesus, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, has made us alive to God. And that is the relationship for which you were made. That is the very thing for which you were made. You were made to have a relationship with God. And until you come into that relationship with God through Jesus and the forgiveness of sins, what he did on the cross and resurrection, you will never know true satisfaction. Can I get a witness about all the other ways and means by which we try to satisfy ourselves? whether it be the accumulation of things, the amassing of wealth, checking off the boxes as we climb up the ladder, various relationships, substances that we take into ourselves, experiences that we have, we all know that at one time or another, they leave us wondering and asking the question, is this really it? Is this all that there is? And the answer in the resurrection on Easter is no. You were made for a relationship with God and you will never know true satisfaction or true joy until you enter into that. And the resurrection of Jesus makes that possible. Now, part of the way that that happens is by our sins being paid for by Christ's death on the cross. So that means then that the cross and resurrection also mean that we have a new relationship to sin. Every one of us has a relationship to and with sin. What Easter promises us through Christ is a new relationship to sin. Look what it says in the book of Romans. Since we have been united with him in his death, that's as we identify with Christ's work on the cross, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Now look at this phrase. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. For when we died with Christ, identifying with his death by faith, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. 
We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. So Christ's resurrection is for us the opportunity, the invitation to have a new relationship to sin. One in which we are no longer enslaved by sin. Prior to coming to forgiveness for sin through Jesus Christ, humanity is enslaved to sin in all sorts of different ways. We are enslaved because we have incurred a great debt by our sin to God. We have a great debt before God. Can anybody testify to the fact that a large amount of debt, maybe it's your credit card, is slavery? We have a large amount of debt before God because of our sin and therefore sin holds us in some sort of enslavement position, the debt that we owe before God. Sin also enslaves us through guilt and shame. And Satan will make sure that you experience this one. The guilt and the shame of things that we've done that we know in our heart of hearts that there's no way to erase it. There's no way to undo it. There's no good deed that tips the scales of balance. We are guilty and we have shame for it. And therefore we stand condemned. And in our guilt and shame and the debt that we have condemned before God, we have become slaves of the power of sin. But not only as it pertains to our debt and the way that we feel through guilt and shame and condemnation, but also behaviorally. Apart from Christ, we are enslaved to sin behaviorally. We watch each other, we watch ourselves live in all sorts of destructive ways. And we tell each other all the time, there's no way he or she could get out of it. There's no way I could ever get free from it. That's because sin actually enslaves humanity. And hence, all the brokenness in humanity. But Easter tells us, and the resurrection brings us the opportunity and the invitation to live in a different way as it pertains to sin. We are no longer, when we put our faith in Christ, slaves to sin, to its debt, its guilt, its shame, its condemnation, its power to destroy. We don't have to be enslaved anymore. So the Apostle John could say something crazy like this. My dear children, I am writing to you so that you will not sin. That's a possibility in Christ. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. So through Christ's resurrection from the dead, we can know absolutely who he is. We have the opportunity of a new relationship with God, a new relationship to sin. And fourth and finally, we can have a new relationship to the future. This is important. Because our previous relationship, apart from Christ with the future, was often one of fear. Fear of death. That's the greatest fear in all of humanity, other than public speaking. Fear of death. And fear of how will this all end? Where is this all headed? But if Jesus was resurrected from the dead and has given us new and eternal life, then we have a new relationship with the future. We no longer have to fear death. Look what it says in Hebrews. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. 
For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Christ, through his resurrection, has defeated the devil and death and the fear and enslavement associated with them. Now, what that fear of death is largely about is what will happen after death. It's largely a fear about judgment. It's not necessarily about how we might experience death or the pain associated with it. It's a fear about that thing that we intuitively all know will come the day of reckoning. That's what that fear is about. But look at the good news from the book of 1 John. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. And we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If we're afraid... It is for fear of punishment. And that shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And Christ's resurrection from the dead and what Easter is, is an invitation, an opportunity to experience that perfect love of God in Christ that is willing to forgive our sins through what Jesus Christ did on the cross so that that ultimate fear of humanity is done away with. The promise of eternal life. We don't fear what happens in that moment after death because Jesus took the punishment of God in our place on the cross so that we can have a standing in grace before God now and for eternity. So the book of 1 Thessalonians celebrates and says this, we are looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven, Jesus whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. But the resurrection means more than only being free from judgment. It also means living eternally and bodily. That we will one day, as the old Christian phrase goes, be in glory with Jesus. And the older you get, The more beat up your body gets, the more glory with Jesus means something to you. Look what 1 Corinthians says. Not not thinking of anyone in particular. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where is your sting? Where's your victory? For sin is a sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because death is defeated in Jesus, we will one day rise in glory, new bodies, living forever in eternity with God. And because Death is defeated. It also means that all of its reverberating effects throughout history and culture will also one day be defeated through the resurrection of Christ. 
This is how the resurrection addresses that fear of the future. How will this all end? Where will it all go? We turn on the news every day and we hear about nukes in North Korea and the horrors of Assad in Syria and us dropping bombs on them and our tenuous relationship with Russia. And anyone with a brain has got to wonder, where will this all go? This seems crazier than ever. And we experience every day what the Bible calls the shadow of death. That is the things that smell like death, war, murder and maiming and people ripping each other off and disease and sickness. All these things that smell like death because Jesus through his resurrection defeated death once and for all and removed its stings. There is a day where the stench of death will no longer linger on earth. Through judgment and renewal, God will make all things new. So the prophet Isaiah said this, God will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. In that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. You see, we're all here some of us dressed up in these silly things because in Christ and his resurrection, we have really good news. We know who Jesus is. We can have a new relationship with God, a new relationship to sin, and we can have a new relationship to the future. And you don't have anything going that's better than that. So if you have not put your full trust in Jesus, today is the day. What are you waiting for? What better news are you looking for? You're not going to see it on CNN. Like, what are you waiting for? You've never heard better news than this. And so give your life to Jesus. Repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ and what he did for you on the cross and the resurrection. You can do that right now in your own heart. You've got, you got to mean it, but you've got to recognize that you're a sinner, but Christ is the Savior and come to him for forgiveness and he will remove the debt, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, and the power of sin from your life. And you will live a new life in God's love for which you made. And you will have the hope of eternal life and the renewal of all things, including your present existence. So put your faith in Jesus. And if, you're, if you've already put your faith in Jesus and you're like one foot in, one foot out, you know what Easter means? Easter means get off the fence. Easter means Christ is risen and you are called to newness and new life in him. So follow hard after Jesus. You got nothing better than him in this lifetime. He's the best, amen? Thank you, God, for this glorious truth. Thank you, God, for giving your son to die in our place and to rise from the dead that we might have and know peace. Thank you, God. We were powerless in the face of sin and death and the devil, but you have rescued us. Pray for anyone in this room who has not yet been rescued by you that today would be the day they put their faith in you and they'd experience your renewing love. And Jesus, we say because you're resurrected in glory and ruling and reigning and coming again that you are worth following. You're worth obeying. You're worthy of all of our worship. So bring us into a place of humility, 
worship, celebration, and obedience before you. And thank you for the glorious hope of the resurrection in our own lives. We rejoice in you, Jesus. Thank you.